1: Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating, the great outdoors, the outdoor industry at large. Now, Redman, you have a bit of a mixed week this week, old boy. G'day, everyone. Uh, yeah, mixed week.
0: Not a bad... I'm, I'm waiting for curry to pop. Yes. So, and that's so I'm sticking... 40 weeks pregnant. Yes, today. Yep, so I'm sticking very close to home, like not going too far away. I mean, spent the night at Apollo Bay during the weekend. ninety yeah. k's offshore was
1: that close to home? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> why I was going to kick it off with a, a mixed bag for the week because she, you knew, didn't get at trouble. the start of the week. She was at thirty nine a bit, and you've decided, yeah, I'll go down to Apollo Bay, a three hour drive down south, and I'll yep. fish ninety kilometers offshore and chase of some reported barrel Southern bluefin tuna. Yeah, young fella, Zeph who fished with me
0: uh, during the week uh, at Apollo Bay, I should say. He got some nice fish with a couple of his mates. Uh, the boys did really well. 90 kilo fish. There's been a few big ones. I've reported of a 167.
1: That's a big tuna. That's a big fish. Yep. Now, now, there's two reefs, or well, two popular reef systems off Apollo Bay. Yep, and then and there was the oil rig. And, and well-known, big reef and little reef. And it's... They didn't put a huge amount of time into the naming of these <laughs> rigs, but they are very, they're a very popular tuna haunt. And then if you go further, which is just before you knock on the door of Tasmania and just before you hit Antarctica. And via New Zealand. You decide to hit the, the oil rig. Uh, it's, a, it's something that you've got to plan for. You've got to pick your weather because you are fishing a long way offshore. Pat, it's stupid. (laughs) It's actually stupid. Like, I don't know. Just to put it into perspective,
0: it is so far out. I did it last year, and in the end, we ended up off Big Reef. And just to give you an example, Big Reef's close, and And it's still 55 kilometers from the ramp. There you go. Not just that. As you come out of Apollo Bay, you get to the Otway. And the Otway, I think it's roughly, I might be correct me if I'm wrong, someone will, roughly 25 kilometers. From the Cape Otway, depending where you look yep. and the Good angle time. you look yep. at, twenty-five kilometers. So you get in coming back. You're like, "Oh yeah, I'm kneeling in. I'm at the Cape. I'm at the Otway," and you've still got twenty-five k to the boat, <laughs> and that's actually the most roughest water of the say, whole trip.
1: You've got those two w- water bodies that are significantly challenging. Yep. So the, they're not quite there that yet, though. The they're there. Fish, they?
0: There's fish there, but I I cracked it. To be on to be honest, truth, I got out to the rigs, and there was a lot of people. I don't know, I I went the buffer zone around the gas and oil rig pad, 500 metres.
1: So you cannot go any closer yeah, than 500 metres. All
0: those barrels I got last year and 60, 70 kilo fish were all, say, maybe 3 to 15 kilometres from it, most of them. Where all the smaller fish are hanging underneath the rig. I was
1: going to say they're right there. Yeah, Fish and are attracted to structure. Well, the big fish are... the only structure that's hitting the
0: surface. The big fish are... If they're not working up, they're under, those, they're under the rig. People are marking them up under the rig. Yeah. But I, you're not allowed close 500 metres. I snuck in at one stage. I reckon I got to 400. I'm like, quickly, get out of here. Like, I didn't want to do the wrong thing. Like, get out of here. Too close. Like, get out. Mate, Ooh. there was people there not even five metres from the rig. Like there's probably eight boats, there, ten boats out there. Then they're dropping pillies under the rig. Like well, that's up to them. That's their own issue. Over the radio, the tug, the, the, they all the rig guys on the radio. Nuts. They get out of here. You're taking your photos, being sent to authority. But the worst part about it was, those uh, rig tenders, the rig tugs, I like to call them, yep. the big red, red boats. They're massive. They're like sixty metres. The rig makes them look small. Yes, these things are ginormous. Well, if they. I actually think their horn's bigger than their engine because the horn, when they blow it, it vibrates that loud through your ears. <laughs> it feels like I haven't got much brain in there, but it it, sh- it shakes them all. And they are blowing horns nonstop there to get, like, just basically to pee us off. Like, that's what they're I think they're doing. And it is so loud. We got out of there. I went to Big Reef and stayed there. I held up Big Reef for maybe two hours. Nothing happened. I went in. I was back in by one o'clock. I regretted everything about it. The biggest regret was not taking your boat because my little six meter—it's so far out there. You got no idea. One thing I was impressed with: we did 212 kilometers and we used 157
1: liters of fuel. It's efficient, especially with very efficient. Especially when you don't exactly take a huge I, amount of care no, around well, around your rev range of no, throttle. No, it's... Patrick,
0: I have to now because I, I won't lie to you. I had to get home and I had to re-put the pacemaker back into position. I seriously thought it was going to fall out. I had to pull the spine out of my backside when I got in, just how far <laughs> out we're travelling. Pull it back
1: up but, to your throat.
0: Oh, you've got no idea how far. Out. I don't care what you're in. If you're in a ship, it's that far out. But like you said before, Little Reef, Big Reef, the rigs, very good spots to chase these tuna and it's going to happen in the next coming days, weeks, whatnot.
1: Do you reckon, like, on the back of structure providing incredible fishing... Yep. ...and we see Vic Fisheries every year, they put out uh, the fish aggregating devices, the fads. Like, what if there was a a used, finished up oil rig that they could position and just leave? Like, how good would the fishing be if you manoeuvred it so it was, you know, slightly closer into land, say not 80 (laughs) kilometres offshore... Um, and obviously this isn't this is it, hypothetical, and it's something that wouldn't happen. But how good would the fishing be if you had if those it was in the right spot, dotted along the coast? In well, as you said, in the right spots, in the right spots,
0: in the right spots, it'd be incredible. Because so, what happens here? The, you get a nice current pushing up from that Tasmania from from the uh, edge of Tasmania up, and then also the Portland Portland water warnable water that that nice ocean current from the Southern Ocean pushes through those areas, and that oil rig happens to be in that area, yeah. And that's why, I, like, you should see. I've, I've seen some of the footage of the boys that were fishing under the oil rig, and Crazy. mate, just the amount of life underneath
1: that thing. And well, you see it when you see those uh, those oil rigs off the states, and you see the the swordfish, yeah, un- yeah. underneath yep. it, yep. And you think well, that that looks like. I oh, can't really gauge the size of this swordfish. It's three meters long because the oil rigs are so, so ginormous. Big. Yeah, you sort of lose your depth perception on how big these
0: sort fish of. Are. Last year, I got to the I, first time I went to the oil rig last year. This is – I'm hanging a lot of crap on myself here. We we come out. We've never been out there before. And the oil rigs in the distance. And I said, "Oh, the boys, are you nervous? Eighty k's offshore in a six meter boat?" No, it hasn't. I haven't been. No, not once yet. But I did stuff up here bad. I looked at the oil rig and I said, to the boys, how far do you reckon we are? We're not out within 500. I said, should we put the lures in here or what? And Kane goes, no, nah, we'll still be a few k's off. And I said, well, yeah, I don't know. I said, how do I measure it? And I'm trying to measure it. I'm saying, it's we're like not 15. No, nah, it must have moved off. It must have moved it or something. I was fifteen kilometers from it.
1: <laughs> I was, I was fifteen kilometers. You're taking uh, health and safety protocol this, very seriously. This, oh, I couldn't believe how much of an
0: idiot I was. And the boys <laughs> weren't like they were like trying to like. I think they knew that. I don't know. It was. It, this well, thing's massive. That's all I can say. When you're up near it, <laughs> like the people that are on the edge of it look like ants walking on it. It's that big and it's that high up. Like they literally look like ants. Like they're that small. It's a massive, massive oil rig. Anyway. Well, they have to it, be to survive the
1: incredible weather that you're going to get. Anyone that works on one's straight.
0: an idiot as well. Because I would never work out there in some of the sea. I've got a fellow that lives in Ocean Grove that I uh, threw a friend. I've spoke to him and he reckons it's. He goes out there, yeah, five six meter swells. He reckons the thing literally just rot like it's it's on a floating. The way it floats, but the design of it. He goes, it's moving that much. He goes, like you can't even stand up. He goes, it's that. He reckons it's that. Well, you're on floating. Like he goes, it's just and the waves breaking over. You got to think, Southern Ocean, medium Bass straight. This water is horrid, and it's not (laughs) deep. No, it's only eighty to one hundred meters. Like. So you think, oh, you know, you're not in two, three thousand so for, where you get a nice roll. Exactly. You know, it's hitting that shelf and then pushing up onto the. That's plus why you've got the current
1: is, is such a treacherous bit of water. Absolutely.
0: Anyway, it's a, if you want to go to Apollo Bay,
1: how, hey, how take
0: fu- a take a airplane pilot seat because you need something to sit on.
1: <laughs> how far away do you think consistent captures of southern bluefin tuna barrels are? Because no, any it's any day because we've seen. We've had an incredible season yep. of the school tuna. Like we're well, seeing consistent captures through uh, quite a large number of commercial operators up and down, um, the Victorian coastline, seeing it right through Victor Harbor, South Australia, Mallacoota Way. Like it's
0: it's been phenomenal. It's the school fish that were on. They were there last year. The fifteen tens, the jelly beans, whatnot. They are in plague proportions out on these Ulrichs. Plague yeah. proportions. They're, they're everywhere. The whole way, even through Big Reef and Little Reef, they you were everywhere. Them. Yeah, they were yep. everywhere. Well, I had no interest in them. Yep. I didn't drive you know what, you an know hour what? and a half in the car to Bay, stayed the night there... And then 90k is like in the boat like in the boat out there to catch a twenty kilo school tuner when they're out the front of my house.
1: <laughs> you you're not curious as to whether there's some big girls sitting underneath those school oh, fish? Oh,
0: percent I dropped some pillies trying to get through them. The schoolies
1: were bad. Yeah. But they were uh Is there anything you can do to avoid the school Southern Bluefinch and get to those big work, ones? just keep working through them.
0: Just gotta keep I, I know some of the guys like Zeph, for example, the fish that hit a double hook up. There's roughly ninety kilo fish, say. And they were uh, he put he had schoolfish fish eating twelve inch ten twelve inch lures like constantly eating those lures like that that day he got the two and then when the rods went off the boys literally four argued who was going to wind the school fish in because they're like oh not again because they're not they're hard on fifty wise like it's not it's an effort to wind them it's in it's not fun no nah, and then Zef <laughs> You've jumped, got a winch poor Zef jumped on the rod and ended up being attached to a ninety kilo tuna which ended up alright for him yeah. but it's it's like I said before, getting off the oil rigs when those workups come, those seals, those dolphins, the whales, when they're going to be tight on those patches of bait balls, those barrels are going to be working on, and the gannets. You can go down there now, and you will catch fish. You, you've got a very good chance of getting a big fish, but I don't like very good chance for ninety kilometres. I need it's a long to, day, I, yeah. And I'm, I'd rather go out in a rougher day and be told that I'm going to catch fish than a nice calm day like I had and potential of catch I don't, It's a long. When I, you don't understand like what I'm trying to say to you. How long way? I had I spoke to three mates who were out there that day, and they said they're never doing it again. Like it's it's that far. Like it's not just around the corner Pat. It's not F- drive.
1: Fisherman's favorite, uh, <laughs> famous last famous words. Famous last words. Like Kane and I said as this last next week year. as the next week hits and goes. Oh, I'm just gonna give it one more go.
0: Every time we went back last year, we said we're not doing that again. <laughs> we went back the next three days later. So it's a, it's a fantastic fishery. It's unbelievably good, but oh, like I said, my spine's just. Starting to repair itself now. You need a big boat as well. I think yeah. you haven't. yet yeah, your it's, boat would be the ideal. You sit in a bit of comfort, but even your boat, like a seven fifty, would still like it's. My boat's a great little boat, but it's it's, it's big. It's your big boat, hours in the water. It's big. It's just a. It's it's two hours of. Tre- anyway, it's a long time to Apollo Bay, but it's a great fishery.
1: Hey, um, Ram, they're looking at their twelve hundred. I'm looking at. Their car too, by the way, Patrick? Finally getting well, it's a good topic of conversation. Yep. They're, they're twelve hundred finally getting ready to rumble, potentially in Australia, but launching in their the South American markets as early as next year, twenty twenty three. Now this is the same size spec as what a Toyota Hilux and Ford Ranger are. Do you see any uptake in the Australian market given the reason that Australian consumers purchase Rams is that they're getting something that Ford, Toyota don't currently offer in the marketplace, being a, you know, vehicle that will tow three and a half tons plus.
0: That's how I vision it, straight up. Yeah, straight up, I vision. Hence why I'm saying looking at a Ram because I'm looking at a bigger boat. Yep. Also, your boat too to tow your boat as well as because I want to get a six fifty or a seven fifty. You can soon. legally
1: tow them. You can legally tow them just standard though, pretty. But, it, the comfortability of it is not there in a, in a boat that's that big, you do need the extra juice of a bigger car. You
0: do. And I, the reason I look at Ram is just like you said before, he's purely for the towing aspect. Yep. And you and I aren't car people. We both aren't. We, we love our cars, don't get me wrong. Because we need to get they. they There's but,
1: purpose behind but it's
0: it. purpose behind our our cars. We got we got cars for the purpose. That's why we use our cars. We're not we're not like a, we're not going to go buy a Lamborghini, are we? Because we're not into a Lamborghini. It's just something we're not. It's no purpose for us. Where a boat has a purpose and a trail like a Ram, your car, my car, both can't tow your boat fully loaded. We just can't do it. It's not yeah. legal fully loaded, like properly loaded for yeah. a big Marlin trip. It's not safe. Four hundred litres of fuel. It's just all not that. it's yep. just not safe. And even if it is, it's still your boat's so big, Pat. Like it's yep. such a big boat. And that's where the RAM aspect or your land cruiser or whatever it is. Like gee, but even a land cruiser with an upgraded land cruiser. That's the thing, you're spending hundred That's what I was just about to say. And then you're spending an extra ten. Well, Jake's car, the John Marinewell, $200,000 Land Cruiser. Like, it's just ridiculous the money that goes into it, plus an expensive boat. So I look at Ram as a car
1: you can go out and buy. Not that's something that you're buying in that small exactly. not Exactly. That's how I look at it. Are you the same as that? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah I, I've, I understand the reasoning behind it as the, the purpose of towing, but this, this is different. Hey, school holidays aren't too far away. They're, um, they're a couple of weeks away now, a week away now. Um, when it comes to getting your family onto and into fishing, jetty, beach fishing, those sorts of things, as we hit the school holidays, some some simple tips for you around um, what to look for, how to navigate around the crowds, because a lot of the time it's the stress of, oh, geez, there's a lot of people around. Yep. I don't want to look stupid in front of other people or look silly because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, beach fishing, let's start with that. Beach fishing, I'd be going somewhere... Not cold for kids. Yeah,
0: so you it's want co- protection. <laughs> you want protection. So you want to get offshore winds. That's the ideal situation. So if say say your place, Pat, Moggs Creek, you're not going down there with George no. on a 15 to 20 knot southerly. You'll be going down there on a nice northerly wind, northwesterly wind, and it's going to be offshore, it's going to be calm. And what I mean by offshore, the wind's coming off the land yep. to the ocean. So wherever you are in the country, Literally, you land can find yourself the, some protection. Find okay. yourself some protection for the kids. If you're going to go to a pier, something similar to, You want to have the wind behind your back. You don't want it in your face because that's when it gets cold. And as it's well, also
1: easier to fish because your lines aren't being uh, pushed back to your to either the shore. Oh, or from the, the ocean or on a jetty. Like you, that's want how to I'm easy. doing
0: it for myself. Uh, yeah, you spot on. And just one thing that I've learned with having a little fella, and I know I used to ask you for a bit of advice. Was one thing that I've learned having Finn when I take him fishing. Is a bucket of water, a simple bucket of water, and fish in the bucket of water, just to keep them busy. Like it Entame, just kills yeah. the t- entertainment. Like if you get, s- make sure that do the right things with your guidelines. I'm not getting into that rubbish, but,
1: but do find, the right find, things. Find a crab and put find it. Find a there. crab,
0: something simple. Whatever. Release it at the end. Exactly something simple. Something simple for the kids to keep entertained. Depending on their ages, like getting getting as, as they get a bit older and whatnot. I was referring to my child who's two, but. Entertainment is the is the key for young right through to. I reckon that what would you say they probably start to get patients around that twelve from my experience. 12, I think so, yeah. 12 is when the patients sort of start to kick in. They start to understand that if they wait that for that snapper, they could get that bigger fish. Where before that, you are doing your squid, you are doing your whiting, and you are having a bit of fun. Keep it entertained. Bucket of water, simple. Put a little Tommy Rough in there if you have to, and you are gonna have you are gonna keep them down there for the extra, years, extra year, extra extra hour, so you can have that next beer and catch hopefully that big mull away off the beach.
1: Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning for Real Adventures. We've got a a huge show all on the other side of the break and beyond. This is Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time to find out what's biting in your part of the country. We kick off with New South Wales Redmond. We're still seeing some some good captures of some uh, some fish with some pointy noses, particularly around that um, that Bermagui region. Yeah, Headhunter Charter's got some beautiful fish during the week. I know. He got, I think you went three, three, and three.
0: So which is when they when they refer to it as three, three, and three. I mean, three fish raised, three fish hooked, three fish landed. Yep. So if you if you see a twenty-one, 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 they've had a real good day. So <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's still good to see Botany Bay inland Benito R backpack. The unweighted pilchards on small hooks, they're the key, and they're doing the best work. So what he means by unweighted, light leaders and letting the pilchards fall through the water column as much as possible, rather than having Say, for instance, a a pea sinker or whatnot, which doesn't make it sink as natural. So pea sinkers are good. Uh, Harbour kings, live squid up to 80 centimetres. So some really good harbour... That's
1: some good size.
0: Yeah, really good harbour kings, which is good to see. Uh, We haven't had much reports of them inside in the last couple of weeks, but it's really... That water's starting to clean up a little bit,
1: so we should start to see them. South Australia. South Australia, Redmond. Well, I'll let you kick it off because I was focusing a bit on... um... Queensland, but you go. Righto. Birkenhead,
0: Southbridge, Australia. Brim on prawn soft plastics. Really, really good at the moment. And as bycatch, lots of slimy mackerel. One thing with slimy mackerel, I'll give you a little hint, doesn't freeze well. Does not freeze well for bait yep. or for food. So,
1: As opposed to Australian salmon.
0: Yeah, salmon isn't ideal, but it's so much better, and I freeze it all the time for bait. Salmon still goes a little bit soft, yep. but it's uh, it definitely... it The way you can demonstrate the bait on a hook or present the hook bait on a hook is actually run it in a chunk form so the flesh isn't open. So yeah, run otherwise it. otherwise it
1: gets too mushy and it just no, falls too, off. yeah too
0: yeah. mushy. Another good way for the slimy mackerel you can always salt it too. Uh, the tuna run is still going really good. Ned McHenry from the Adelaide Crows, good friends the real adventures show. And he's been does he even play footy? <laughs> he spends more time with the boat. Oh very he? he's doing very well on the tuna. And do you know where's where's he out of? I know I've asked you this before. Well, is he Victor area? And Victor, he's out of Victor because I got a report here. Victor Harbour, the key tuner. But don't forget, one thing that the tuner has destroyed in the offshore world is the bottom fishing. And what I mean by that is I don't ever fish for gummies anymore or snapper offshore because these bloody tuna take my attention. So if you do want some bottom fish, make sure you do, you do do it. They eat. Better, in my opinion, than tuna, I, I believe. I oh, know, But they're not as fun. That's the
1: thing. Oh, this like... is the
0: killer. <laughs> I don't know. Gummies are going well out of Victor Harbour. You've got moorwong, school sharks, you got nannies, and they're just fishing well. So don't get too distracted all the time, maybe a lot of the time. Go, Patrick, to Queen-
1: Queensland. Queensland. Now, Bribie Island, it's now being declared that there is a Bribie Island bar, Redmond. We spoke about this last week. Well, we've spoken about the dangerous waters that we've continually seen, but um, the, the beach split spit, is now um, officially declared as um, a Bribie Island, or the Bribe Island bar. So the entire island has been renamed to have a North and a South Island. So that will now reflect on all of Queensland's marine charts uh, for the southeastern waters and safety regulations with life jackets, crossing bars, etc. All of that, exactly right. So, um, a, a big change for that region. Something that's it's simply it that bar is not going to return. So. It's not like it's going to be infilled. So that's, that's there to stay, which means... Oh, I thought you were
0: talking about a new bar opening in Queen's I was, I was
1: excited. No, no, there. no, no, no. Oh, no. Island, the coastal Sorry. bar. Right. So that now means um, wearing a life jacket while navigating the bar. If you've got a boat that's less than 4.8 metres, uh, it is compulsory under the state's maritime laws that you have to wear a life jacket. Well, the Tweed, the drain
0: off Tweed River, speaking of another bar, the Tweed River can be a bit of a prick at times, as we know, to get out of there. The drain, which is known as the drain, is fishing really well, Taylor flathead, uh, going really well as salmon too. Now, that's a mixed bag of fish in the shallows off the surf, so that's off the drains. So that's, that's literally land-based. So if you're a land-based fisher, make sure you get amongst it. Heading to Tasmania, the Craigieburn is fishing really, really good uh, rainbows and browns, but the big rainbows, like the eight yeah. sort of pound stuff, so that's going well, and they're on hard bodies and it's small th-
1: soft plastics. There's still really good reports of, of the offshore fishing as well. Like It depends how much time and effort you're willing to put into it. I know our great mate Paul Westling of iFish, he's heading – uh, he's heading down there over the school holidays and chasing some swords. Well, there was big
0: sword. Uh, yeah. Indy Thomas got some uh, big swordfish out of St. Helens, which is great to see. And I, I, like, I like this. This is a good one I read. And I'd always love a report on social media. This is in a Sports Fish Tasmania page. Thanks to the bloke who said the fish were bite. Were on the bite at Badgers at the boat ramp. 50 metres heading towards Deport Stick Bait. So if you're a local, you know exactly what that means. Yellow... Or, Bloody great day out, dinner was awesome, fish went nuts, thanks a lot, and he's got photos here of bag limit of 30 plus kilo tuna. So that's great to see the fellow fishermen helping each other out of the ramps to get amongst these pelagic fish, which can move very quickly, but if you're in the right direction and look for the right things, you will catch fish. And that was the whip around this week, Patrick.
1: Nice work, Redman, it's time for the Social Club. We take your questions from social media each and every week, so if you want to... Get in contact with Aaron or I. Make sure you send in a direct message to our social pages, whether it be Facebook or Instagram, and we'll do our very best to get back to you. First question is from Michael. G'day, boys. Love this show and would love to know how you guys set up your tackle boxes. Uh, I don't know where to start. I love my fishing. I'm really no good at it. Give me some advice, Michael.
0: I've got – I'm not even going to answer this because – do you know those uh, – Green Safeway bags, they're my tackle boxes. So I might actually pass this one on to you because you're much more organised when it comes to your tackle boxes. I, well, I, I don't
1: really run. I run out of bags. Yours, you're a bit different because you do it as a Every day. A I've gone over my fishing journey from having everything under the sun set up in my boat to now, um, and I've got this with the 750 and I've got a little stable craft. Now, I've basically got three tackle boxes that have everything in it, but they're not very big and they're always stored in the boat. What do you mean by everything in it though? Um, Like, what do you mean? Like the stuff that uh, we catch uh, in the area. I mean, a a full, um, full hook sizes from whiting to sharks. Yep. Yep. But I don't have a stack of it. So you just got enough. I've I've got enough. So I can, you know, pick up the boat and away I go. Now, if we're targeting something specific, like fishing for, um, for kingfish, then I'll load up the bungee cast. I don't have, but I've, I've got one of those in each of those.
0: So you'll have it in the boat already, but yep. you have, or if you're specifically targeting a certain species, you'll take extra.
1: Yeah. So that yep. way, sort of, I feel like I there's nothing I can forget. Yeah. Um, because I've got the bare minimum in each boat. Because oh, I can fishmen, we're all guilty. We bring so much gear, yep. and then we lose track of where it's all bloody at. I, I, this, this is this. I struggle here. I can't get organised with my tag. I just
0: can't. I've tried so many times. I just. Oh, I literally spend set times, I have the boys come over and I even say to the boys, well, what do you think? Like, you go, do it how you think. Like, and then you pack a tackle box and you might go, "Oh no, gummy sharks. But then you put swivels in there for gummy sharks. But then you go to something else and then you're like, well, that's in that box. Well, why are we putting it in this box as well? But that's so, why
1: I have, so I've got like, you know, my, so just, 30 grammars for, for Australian salmon in the same tackle box that I've got hooks, that I've got swivels, mm-hmm. that I've got split rings. Um, just one of each, it's a real generic box that covers everything. Yeah. Because I've I've got them literally under my skippers seat. There's sort of trays. For so you've got them built in under your seats on both boats. Both boats, yeah. Yeah. And then for what is you know we're going fishing for tuna, you'll go. All right, you need this. or yep. I'll bring what I've got for that, and then it's more specified.
0: I just can't. I just can't get a system. I and, and this is all the time. <laughs> <It's> I, no, <laughs> I just can't. It just feels like I'm. So I'll take out like bungee casts in one tub, and then. I'll have another tub, go, all right, well, there's your small surface. But then all of a sudden, someone will go, I'll get them on poppers. Then I've got another tub for poppers. And then all of a sudden, I've got 55 tubs full of random stuff that doesn't actually, it doesn't actually have a, it's not practical to what you're trying to do. So what I've actually done is I've just got a bag, a duffel bag. It's quite large and barely lifted up these days. And every time I just chuck handfuls of stuff in. So, but it's all in boxes. Michael, we've done
1: absolutely. <laughs> well, no- I can't answer the question. I'm sorry. Nothing to answer the question, but that's sort of how we set up our, <laughs> our tackle. Uh, Aaron, drifting for flathead, I'm really struggling to get anything of decent size. Cheers, Pete. Now this is this goes along the lines of what people have forgotten to fish for with the craze for tuna at the moment, but there's still really good flathead being caught. I know you. I think you put some time in a couple of weeks ago. Oh, no, spent- this
0: week just gone,
1: 68 centimeter one. Did you really?
0: an absolute monster. I don't even think I sent you the photo.
1: So a, so what are people forgetting when they set themselves up in order to catch? Just a, showing Patrick
0: a, the photo. They are a nice little wink stop from Stop bragging to me. We've got a show
1: to do. <laughs> Sorry, one. mate. What are people missing when they're setting themselves up to drift for fun? Oh, that was just bycatch. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> you were fishing was for fishing, tuna. I was fishing for tuna. It took a lure. <laughs> no, I was actually fishing for white It when took long It took a 12-inch skirt. I did
0: catch a harpuka, which is a deep sea fish, four hundred meter fish, on a skirt out of Portland when I was a kid. Believe it or not. Anyway, back to on topic. I flooded drifting for them. Anchoring is a good method. Yeah, okay. Don't be don't just be set on drifting in the bay. There's a lot of juvenile
1: flooded, a lot I think, of I think undersized people, stuff. I think people get sometimes, especially when they fish offshore, they're like, "Oh, I'm in thirty meters water. You can. I, I don't want to set up an anchor now." Well,
0: I'd probably in when you put it like that, I would be drifting for it. I would definitely be drifting for flooded because in the ocean. There's a lot bigger flathead in the... You'll, get, you'll hit different patches of size fish, gotcha. where in the bay they tend to be smaller in
1: the deeper water where people tend to drift. So where you'd be more inclined to anchor, you said, in the bay?
0: Yeah, so anchor, what I like to do is I like to find heavy weed where you'd probably find the whiting with the sand holes mixed in with it.
1: Yep. I like to actually, Where they'll sit and nestle themselves into the sand. Yeah,
0: yep. so I actually sit on the sand side up the bank a bit Yep. So, say for instance, you're five meters of water, where's where the whiting ground is with the wheat with and the sand holes. I actually like to move away from that, maybe 30 to 100 meters, get up on the sand.
1: You're nice.
0: Burley the sand, and those big ones will all come out
1: those of the Predatory fish just whiting.
0: Yep. They come out and they'll literally sit in your burley. But the burley's the key for them in the bay. Burley, I don't drift for flathead in the bay. Anchor and burley the sand flats all the time for my flathead. In the ocean, I like to drift. So, 30 meters of water you need to find the right ground the problem with flathead they live on sand not many flathead live on rubble yeah gurnard live on rubble <laughs> pinkies live on rubble so if you're on the wrong ground you'll get plagued by you'll get the odd flatty but
1: majority of it lives on sand so and you might see um, gurnard on a you know pub menu that you you go to our advice is don't touch the spiny parts and put those in your body
0: no i cried for 8 hours one day <laughs> it's a, it's a horrible spike to get done by but Paul Worsling's favorite fish, I think he calls it a gurnard. Eat, yeah. yeah, to it's eat. They're they're, a, they're eat. a beautiful eating fish, gurnard. Uh, so if you do get a gurnard, handle it with care. Just a little bit of a tip here. Get it, grab it by the head if possible. Let it die. Like if you can kill the, kill it, that's the yep. ideal situation. And then cut the spines off with scissors. Yeah. So bang, cut the top spines off. The bottom ones, the anal spines, they don't they hurt just naturally, but they don't have the actual bacteria the poison we like to toxin in top of them in the top of the spike, which will hurt you. So little tip, get rid of the spines and they're a beautiful eating fish.
1: That was a social club. Make sure you send us in uh, your messages or questions that you have for Aaron or I. We do our best every week to get back to everyone, which can be a struggle at times because we love uh, the engagement from all our audience. Plenty more real adventures after the break. Gearing up for Dometic. Dometic Patrol, an icebox with a sense of adventure. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. It's time for Gearing Up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Our special guest this morning is Scott Jones, National Head of Sales, Marketing, R&D, Jayco. Morning, Scott.
2: Hello, you, Patrick? You're well?
1: Going very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Now, two and a half years ago, the caravan industry was certainly going through a transition period. It had been a really tough journey, certainly speaking to a few in the industry. It wasn't as healthy as it's been. And then all of a sudden, a global pandemic hits, and what's preceded it has been an extraordinary rise again of of touring Australia. And the caravan ind- industry has been central to that.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, uh, coming into the pandemic, uh, you know, we'd um, you know made a, a a
1: pretty strategic
2: plan on what we wanted to do and the, the product range and category we wanted to focus on, and then uh, you know the pandemic hit. Uh, that that changed everything pretty much overnight. And there were a lot of things we had to consider. Uh, you know, coming into the pandemic, um, you know, there were, there were staffing issues. There were um, you know dealer issues that we had to tend with as well. Um, but then before we knew it, within a few months, um, things leveled out and then it absolutely took off. And, uh, you know, the reasons it, it took off were because, uh, you know, people wanted a safe and affordable way to travel, um, you know, which I think is the perfect way to do that. And with overseas travel off the cards and uh, also cruises, um, you know, they just saw us as, as, as the answer to everything that they needed to do. Um, and we were very, very lucky. So, you know, with that, um, there were other challenges as well with, with supply.
1: <laughs> Quite extraordinary to to think off the, you know the big the beginning of a pandemic managing staff and then managing staff for a different reason needing to get more in. Um, exactly,
2: of, I mean one one thing at the moment. Sorry, is uh, yeah, uh, staff. You know, we've got uh, a huge number of outstanding jobs. Uh, you know, we're looking for people at the moment.
1: Now you're in a unique position as a manufacturer because when people think of caravanning in Australia. They do think, J.K., you've been uh, market leaders for for nearly, um, you know, 50 years. So that puts you, you know, within a responsibility to provide the very best possible. Now, the, the um, full drive and auto industry, as we're seeing every week, seems to be changing enormously with the rise of EVs. What are we going to see... Um, the changes being with, with caravanning and Jayco, what are you going to provide for us over the, the coming year and the coming years around the technology improvements that you can provide consumers with? Yeah, I
0: think
2: uh, that's an excellent question. There's probably two aspects to that. Um, you know, one, you know, we we um, scour the globe for the latest in technologies. You know, we go to uh, the biggest trade show in the world, uh, Düsseldorf in Germany every year. Uh, there's also open house in the US um, that uh, US companies show their latest and greatest uh, products on offer. And, uh, you know, one is the, the motorhome side of it, electric motorhomes. They're, we're starting to see more of that overseas. Um, now, in Australia, we probably haven't got the infrastructure in places yet um, or the uh, the distance in the vehicles. But um, one key focus for Jayco is off-grid capabilities uh, for the adventure market. So people want to get away. And again, it's that... Um, a safe way to travel, um, you know, and if you're out in the middle of nowhere, you can still run your fridge. So lithium batteries, um, you know, self-sufficiency, so you, can, you, know, you run your fridge days on end, increased solar capabilities, inverters, so you can still run your coffee machine, so you've still got all the, um, you know, all the bells and whistles that you'd expect to have from home. So that's one of our core focuses.
1: So how's that going to, with all that, that new tech, one of the, the challenges around uh, the electric capabilities of vehicles is the weight distribution. Now... It's offset because of obviously the, the fuel that you carry uh, as, a, as a vehicle. Now, it's different when it comes to caravans because this technology now you know, provides the option to do what you've just said. Does it mean redesigning how you distribute the weight with the, the caravans? Because quite clearly with, with more batteries, that weight will go up.
2: Yeah, one of the the beauties of the lithium battery, uh, you know, with with EV technology, um, it means there's further technology coming with lithium batteries. So more amp hours and everything. So that's transferring into, uh, you know, our touring products. So you'll get a, you know, potentially a 200 amp hour battery that's, you know, probably a quarter of the weight of a 100 amp hour AGM battery. So that's one of the beauties of lithium. So we're very lucky in that respect. But, uh, you know, what it does mean is that, uh, what you are in weight there, you're going to add in weight in other things. So, you know, potentially, you know, you, you might have bigger or more solar panels, so you're going to use up a bit of weight there. But, uh, you know, fortunately, lithium battery weight's coming down, but, um, you know, solar capabilities gives us the opportunity to add more weight there. And, uh, you know, the benefit of that means more time off-grid. Um, you know, just constant power supply to run your van.
1: When it, when it comes to the construction of of these all-terrain capabilities that you've you've spoken about does that change um, the time it takes to manufacture these caravans? I'm assuming there's a, there's a huge amount that would go into the construction of it, what's the the construction changes for you as a as a business and how have you how have you tailored to manufacture something that can withstand you know the Australian environment? Yeah, one one of the biggest
2: things for us is a suspension system, and we you know we developed our own um, you know some time ago. And we've continually improved on that. Uh, so we've actually got um, a unit going around a test track as we speak uh, over the next five days with, with another iteration of suspension. So what we look at doing is one: if you start with a suspension system, then everything else um, you know follows on from that. Uh, you know, from the chassis, then your flooring. Uh, you know, sidewalls. Uh, you know, we think we've got one of the strongest sidewalls in the industry. So really strong, solid construction. And if you get the uh, you know the, the box right, I guess if you call it that. Um, then everything inside, um, you know, will will follow suit. So, so you know, we use you know, stronger brackets and screws. Uh, you know, we have looked at um, you know other options down the track as well. We've recently moved to improve furniture construction, which means it's stronger um, as well as more accurate, accurate with improved quality. So there are a lot of things that we do do.
1: Considering you know what was put into a van twenty years ago compared to now, there's air conditioning throughout. There's toilets, showers, the 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 kitchen set up now are really almost on par with with what you get at home. Where where do you see the luxury improvements, if you will, of of the caravans that you manufacture? Given so much has changed over the past, you know, five to ten years.
2: Yeah, it's um it, it's very interesting, uh, um you know because you know if you go go back, um you know, fifteen twenty years, uh, a recreational vehicle was something that allowed you just to get out. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, uh, go to a caravan park with the family for a few weeks or, you know, um, retirees might travel for a period. But now the expectation is you've got all the comforts of home, um, you know. So you look at, uh, you know, washing machines, they're virtually standard now. Uh, you, know, you mentioned um, air conditioning. You know, we've even had uh, Alexa in our silver line, so everything was voice controlled from your TV to your air conditioner, um, your light. Uh, so where's it heading? Um, you know, a lot of wireless technology coming in. Um, I think, um, you know, the, the off-grid technology over the next few years will only get better and better with battery and solar technology improving, um, you know, almost weekly. Uh, it's it's one of those things, it's it's hard to answer where we're going to be in three years when, uh, you know, we're focusing on the next 12 months. And, and, you know, once you get the next year's model up and running, uh, you know, you think, oh, what, what could possibly come out next? And then all of a sudden, yeah, all, all these ideas present themselves and then you, you jump onto that as well.
1: So, so how far in advance are you sort of planning for it? Because you know, we, we see the you know, each year's new version of the iPhone or, or whatever it might be. How, how does that planning come about? Or is it because technology is changing so rapidly, as you've said, you've just got to be willing to adjust and um, given the fact that you, you manu- manufacture in-house, you, you can do it quite quickly? Yeah, uh-
2: there's a few key elements. We try and have new models at the beginning of every year. Um, and you might have a, you know, a major facelift or a minor facelift, uh, on, on that particular product range. So we'll, we'll focus on core products each year and then you rotate, um, you know, probably every three to four years, um, and have a major change. But there's also things that present themselves, um, you know, like if it's a safety thing, like, um, uh, tire pressure monitoring or, um, uh, you know, sway control. That's something that, you know, we'll look at that and we'll, you know, look at that as an opportunity to improve and then, uh, you know, we'll just implement that uh, as a running change um, you know as an added customer benefit. So, right. you know, there's a lot of things that we, you know, we do um intermittently, but also our core focus is at the start of every year to have a new model.
1: We're chatting with Scott Jones, National Head of Sales, Marketing and R&D for Jayco. Uh Scott, before we let you go, the the caravaning shows and outdoor shows throughout the year. What can we look forward to actually seeing, touching, and walking through as the year unfolds?
2: Oh, I think um, because shows have been, um, you know, probably dormant. I would say for the last two years, it's it, you know it's been tough on the on the caravan industry um, from a from a show perspective, but. I know not not just at Jaco, but I'm up at a, a conference on the Gold Coast at the moment, and there's such a, an air of excitement around it. Everyone wants to get back to shows and and you know have that customer contact again, show them all their new and exciting products. I've been speaking to suppliers already that have told me about some new and exciting things coming. We've got the Melbourne Caravan and Camping Show next week. You know after that, we've got Sydney, then we're going to the Perth Four by Four Show in Brisbane. So there's, there's a huge amount of things uh, that we're going to see launched and also not just this year um, even next year I know they're planning uh, for next year as well so I think there's a lot coming so I'd certainly encourage people to get to the shows nationally.
1: It's one of the things that uh, unfortunately through the marine industry um, we're not going to see that many of so it's great to Great to hear that there's going to be the, the caravan and camping outdoor shows uh, back around the country throughout 2022. I've got, I do have one more, one more question I want to ask you because I, I, uh, I sent this through to you off air, but we've seen last week uh, Ford Australia announced that they're going to be retrofitting the F-150 in Australia, which quite clearly is a direct competitor to the RAN that has been so successful. We've seen Silverado, as a manufacturer, does that does that change how you look at potentially adding the maxi trailable caravans to your lineup uh like we see overseas, or is there less of a um I suppose appeal for it compared to you know what we've seen in the marine industry is boats well over three and a half tons and there's just not that many vehicles that are are well catered to to trailering and towing above three and a half tons. Now, with Ram, with Chev and with Ford, the 150 coming to Australia, it does give consumers, consumers the option. Is that something that you keep an eye on um, as a caravan manufacturer?
2: Oh, you certainly do. Uh, you know, we're always looking at tow vehicles and popularity, uh, towing capabilities. And with the imports um, that you've just mentioned, you know, we, we've found over the years or the last couple of years um, Caravans have become heavier and heavier um, because of all the the added benefits that we put in them, like the washing machines and everything that we've spoken about. So, what these larger units allow you to do is they just give you a, I I guess, more comfort when towing because they can tow around that four and a half ton mark. You know, they're going to tow a caravan with a say three and a half ton capacity quite easily. Uh, You know, and another. Thing that uh, they're, they're a versatile unit as well um, you know so if you're into horses as well you know you can tow a large horse flight that you know with as many horses as you need to yeah so you know we certainly keep an eye on that um, you know it allows us to build bigger models you know we build up to 24 foot at the moment um, you know, in our silver line our flagship range and that's that's a unit that's got absolutely everything into it um, you know so I think know you know, those people certainly want to, you know, they want a hamburger with a lot and that's why they've got the vehicle. So, you know, we keep an eye on it and we cater for it as best we can.
1: Scott, we really appreciate your time joining Real Adventures this morning. If you'd like at home more information on the Jayco range, head to jayco.com.au for more information. There's walkthroughs, 3D images, you name it, all on their website for more information. Thanks again, Scott. Pleasure. Thank you. That was gearing up for Dometic. Mobile living made easy. Red's Review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. It's time for Red's Review, our product of the week for Club Marine, Redman, our favourites Club Marine. Both of us have our, uh, have our boats insured by Club Marine and we're focusing on choosing the right marine binoculars and how much to spend and is it worth spending that extra few dollars on automatic focus now you spend a huge amount of time uh fishing for pelagic fish spent and have spent plenty of time over the last few weeks and months chasing the tuna i know you spent time up at burmy and and binoculars can be really beneficial there are you more inclined to use and spend the extra few dollars and go autofocus or what are you spending when you're buying? Binoculars?
0: I'm going to, I'm going to straight up answer this. Honestly, it's something that I don't have, should have and use more of. Yeah. I, I just don't, I i don't, I've tried to use poor quality binoculars and I just can't get the focus ever, Pat. ever. I just can't, I just can never do it. Now, this is something that I know you've got multiple pairs of. I well, think I've got a, I've got a, Marty for, bought your
1: beautiful set of binoculars for Ste- your birthday a little while ago. Yeah. They're, they're Steiner uh, binoculars. So, and they're, Brilliant. They're really lightweight. They're weatherproof. Um, they've got flexible silicon lenses. There's a really good warranty. Um, the con of it is that they're, I think they're about $900. Yep. They were expensive. And I've found, like, I love these, right? But I found myself not taking them out in the boat because I don't want to ruin them, even though yeah. they're weatherproof. So I take out a far cheaper power. I think I bought them from Anaconda or BCF um, that are. You know, I think on memory they were maybe, you know, 150. And even though these are marine binoculars, like waterproof, can float, and I still don't take them out. Will they catch you more fish? I'm going to 100% say yes. They will. T- totally agree with you.
0: They will. I think I think everyone should have a set of binoculars on their boat, and I don't. I just straight up don't. When we went to Burmy only a few weeks ago, uh, Robbie bought a set of binoculars out and they were a reasonable set, probably something similar to you, said. Just yep. some, and they worked really well. You could actually see in the, if someone was hooked up in the distance. You, you could see a bit of more information than you could see with your own eyes. So if you're off Apollo Bay and you've got to travel to the gas rig and you want to see those there's birds there working, instead of having to drive there, you could literally have someone
1: with, auto, with a good set of binoculars like you've spoken about. Auto folks, the other thing is, is image stabilisation. So you're on the boats moving up and down. Image stabilisation, just like on a camera, it's amazing how the image changes and how still you'll have your Either horizon <laughs> or, or you know, your flock of birds or a, um, you know, or a rough patch of water that you think's got fish. Like, this is something to spend money on. Can I ask you a question? Far away. Can it get you seasick looking through? It- well, I would say no because no. image stabilisation means... Like, if you're going to get sick, you're going to get sick. But image stabilisation means the image, yep. it freezes. It doesn't yeah. move as much. <laughs> I think this is this is a, a really beneficial thing. Like We had this conversation, and I've spent the money on it. M- Mars, my beautiful wife, looked after me. And if, if you're inf- interested in more info on on binoculars, we simply Googled it, and then we had a debate during the week, Redmond, and we went to, I think it was Wow Travel was the website, and they had 13 different sets of binoculars. It wasn't necessarily set to Australia, but globally, you know, mm. who's using what, and they have the price breakdowns. I think if you... If you've got the money, it's around the eight to nine hundred dollars you'll spend. You can spend less, but they're one of those things that you do that are beneficial in a boat, particularly as we come into this big bluefin tuna season, Redmond.
0: Yeah, birds. It, I, I trust my eyes a lot. Like I see they're trained, like it's sort of like the way you're football. You you can yep. see a footy, you can do whatever you can do playing footy. With my eyes, when I'm like these bluefin that I'm seeing offshore that people can't see and birds in the distance, your eyes just to naturally change to see things. Like, are yes. trained to see things. And I think I need to get a set of these to put on the boat just to make my life, it, not necessarily even my life, I can dedicate someone on the boat to, to actually in. have look in certain yeah. areas, yeah. in distances. It doesn't have to be for five hours of the day. It can just be, what's that over there? Can, like Instead of driving over to see that one bird that was annoying you, they can, depending on the binoculars and the money you spend, yeah. the distance, you can literally get a good vision of what's going on to see if it's worth going over there. Yeah, it's something that I'm going to be putting... Now, I haven't even thought about it as of weeks and weeks, so we're going to, since Burmy,
1: and I'm going to have to get myself a set of these, probably not $800, maybe the $150 from BCF. For, for those interested, I've got the, the Steiner Navigator Pro, uh, the 7x50 binoculars. So that's just personally what I use. Well, you had, and now <laughs> in my boat. <laughs> that is uh, Red's review for Club Marine, our product review of the week. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Ensure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's
0: Tip. We spoke at the start of the show, a bit of the school holidays, Pat, a bit of that offshore wind, trying to keep warm. Something that i seen during the week, driving over the Bowenheads Bridge. It was... I thought it was a fantastic idea and a good tip out there. I'm, I'm claiming this one. Driving over, there was a f- group of family fishing off the actual Heads Bridge in itself, facing an onshore southerly, which comes through the bar, through the Bowen Heads Bluff, on the inside of the Bowen Heads Bluff. And sure enough, they were smart enough to have built a tarp like as. Tarpy matty thing we'll go with from Bunnings Does that sound a tarp, relevant? A tarpy matty. Well, thing. it looked warmer than a tarp, Pat, and it didn't <laughs> quite look like a mat, so we're going with it. Get yourself a tarp and somehow attach it to the pier that you are fishing on. ocky straps. ocky straps will work well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if duct tape can't fix it, that nothing can. Seriously, in front of you, whatever. So, person's only a metre, like two of you a metre wide would cover you enough and you can get behind it, but the rods are actually sitting, leaning up against the pier. So you can see the tips of your rods clean. You can't see the water too easy, but at least only half your body, if you stand up, is going to be cold. Look, rather, It's like fishing in a boat being protected.
1: As we come I thought in, this was incredible. As we come into school holidays and the winter months and you, and you want the family to get into it, you've got to make sure you're providing in something that's... A little bit of protection, I think it's a great thing. I thought this was... I even took a photo of it and sent it to you. I said, Red's tip this week is
0: this one, because I thought it was a great idea. So a tarpy matty thingy is what you need. I don't think it'll cost you too much. I'm sure Bunnings has it. You're the Bunnings expert these days. You've got a couple of tools from there.
1: And that's Red tip for the week. Nice work. Now, uh, Red's... Well, Red's the flying gaff this week. Probably going at me. <laughs> no, it's not. It's uh, this little... Slightly dated news, but there was a group of Victorian fishers who were fishing in the Murray River, celebrating uh, Labor Day long weekend, uh, left with nearly a $5,500 fine for taking fish they shouldn't have, as well as not having New South Wales fishing licences. Now, Victorians must have a valid New South Wales fishing licence to fish. The Murray River, really? So they they caught. Um, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So the the haul. I mean, so on yeah. the Victorian side, yeah. So the, the I mean right. the, well they were in the river. Um, yeah, gotcha. The haul though included trout, cod, and silver perch, and under New South Wales fishing regs, trout cods listed as endangered. So that's why you get the the big whack yeah. in terms of fines, but. Vicos must have a New South Wales fishing licence to fish the Murray River. So that's where the uh the boys they get the gaff this weekend. That's a you know, five and a half grand. That's that's almost a hundred litres of fuel, Aaron. That's that's hurting this, <laughs> this week. Try driving to a polo
0: bay and catching nothing all day and uh using four grand of fuel. <laughs> we well, need to
1: do better this week as we uh we head into next week. Good show. luck so in we'll the footy we'll tonight. You've got a big game you. ahead.
0: We'll uh see. Big pie game. We'll see you next week. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.